Hello and welcome to the Cabin Fever podcast where we cry, you cry, and everyone comes out of it a little bit stronger. Why are we crying? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we get quite emotional and raw on here and the audience really appreciates that. I mean, I feel like like we we mostly just did that in that one episode where you got really uncomfortable and then had to like be super mean to me because you were being forced to be vulnerable. Wow. I was talking about the ones where we've really opened up about our um, tragic love lives, but that's fine. Oh, we have also done that. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, welcome back to a, a part two, a bonus yeah, this is a bonus like episode. As you know, at the moment we're on a, a bi-weekly, fortnightly schedule. But as this is yes. a two-parter, we're like, let's just whack it right on in there. So welcome to little, part two of Jack the Ripper. little treat. In today's episode, we have got uh, the final murder for you. And we also have the absolute joy that is both of our unmaskings of the true identity of Jack's the Rippers. Oh my god, I forgot how good this was. In case yeah. you didn't know, we're recording this like after we recorded the first bit, but oh my god, it's so good. It is fabulous. So <laughs> be excited just for that. I stand by it so much. I just really, truly, deeply still believe mine did it. Before we hop into that, we obviously have a grand tradition here of win and wine and this is no exception so fiona what is your win for this week so my win is like i understand how it's going to come across as a wine but it is really fun to me like at first i was getting really annoyed at influencers who were just blatantly being like i don't give a fuck about covid i'm gonna go out and do what i want and have parties and all of that but now i'm like you know what blessing in disguise because it's so clear now who is shit. <laughs> I feel like we have already addressed this maybe in our like 2020 roundup of like what we love oh, this did year. We? And it was oh, like okay. making it, but it is valid because one of my favorite things that these jackasses do is sometimes they will literally post like on their stories graphics being like stay at home, like care for other people. Here's a message from an ER doctor. And then the next story is them like meeting up with someone who's not in their household. Yeah, it's and just I'm like, like you're in your mid-30s, yeah. connect the dots, sweetheart. It's just, like, it's gone from, like, being, like, infuriating to me being, like, I feel like the po- the what, the win is just my attitude shift because I'm, like, I can't, this is one thing I'm doing in, um, in 2021 is I'm, like, letting go of responsibility that I feel for other people. Um, and, you know, I'm, like, sometimes I would feel responsibility. I'd be, like, why can't they just get together? Like, I'd get really angry over it. But I'm, like, I can't control that. So now I'm just going to sit back. And be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And laugh. Anyone in like the UK or the US. Or Europe. doing everything. Yeah. Or Europe. Who's doing everything correctly. And you have to see people who are like in your area. being. Yeah. I like really. I really feel for them. Because I'm like, we did a really tough lockdown. And like Sydney might go into another lockdown. But we got the reward at the end. Like we got to squash the cases. And I kind of And there were people being stupid. But, like, it was a loud minority. Whereas over there, it is just so many people are being stupid. And so shout out to all of you who are doing the right thing and are having to live with seeing people being so stupid. Yeah, because it would just be so infuriating to be doing it all the time and feel like what you're doing doesn't matter because it is still so out of control. But what you're doing doing does matter because you're protecting yourself, you're protecting the people around you, you're protecting people you don't even know. So congratulations to you. Happy times. It's funny, so we, we never we, we were never bringing the pandemic up when we were in it, but now we're like, okay, cool, we're free, um, let's chat. <laughs> but yeah. We're, we're free for now, but congrats yeah. to you guys. And I feel like it just, sometimes you do need a little shout out when you're doing the right thing. Legit. So if you're staying like, in, listening to this podcast, going on a walk, listening to this podcast, listening to this podcast and not going outside, we love that for you. And if you're 
one of the people who you also follow, the jackasses that we follow, and you're like, none of these people are in the same house. They're all hanging out with different people from different houses, but then they're also posting about be smart. If you're seeing that, those people are trash in real life and we can confirm it. So <laughs> enjoy. <sighs> so um, that's your what's, win. <laughs> that's my win. What's your win, Maddie? My win is that I have customized and optimized my iPhone. Oh my God, I did this recently too. Yeah, so I did a, that. a big one of this like two years ago. Uh-huh. Where like, because one of my things is like, technology should be a tool not a master like so if you mm-hmm. optimize your technology so that it's like easier for you to get the things you need to get done done and harder for you to get distracted i mean we could get distracted in like a padded cell but then it's like it's a great time so a couple yeah. of years ago i like optimized my whole iphone for like productivity mm-hmm. but then last night i optimized it to also look very pretty and oh, like when that. the ios update came out and everyone was like changing all their icons and shit. I was like, that looks stupid as fuck. But then I was like, I'm stressed and I want everything to be in calming colors. So now I've done that too. <laughs> and it took me like so, it took me like five hours. And what's your wine for the week? Oof, my wine for the week is a big one. Is yours Ooh. a big one? Uh, no, mine's, mine's pretty small. Go, You go first. Okay. Oh boy. <sighs> my wine for this week uh-huh. is... Orenthal James Simpson getting off for the murders of his ex-wife and oh her God. acquaintance Ron Goldman when there's absolutely no doubt in my mind and I mean literally 0% doubt in my mind that allegedly because he didn't get convicted for it he absolutely fucking murdered them there is no way in hell and my before, favorite is that video where he like literally looks into the camera like did you kill those people he's like no and like sly look to camera and basically just like winks like oh my uh, god my favorite is a tie between the book he co-authored called if i did it <laughs> and uh the over a decade of intense domestic abuse recorded by the police beforehand yeah yeah so what's happened is that before i like most of the intelligent world was like sitting somewhere about like 95 percent sure that he did it uh-huh. I was like, I'm 95% sure because, like, it would be bonkers if he didn't. Like, she had a locked, like, security deposit box yeah. of, like, letters and shit that, like, if he murders me, open this. Like, yeah, and, like there's, there's there was, a lot pointing towards it. There was so much. And also all the evidence. Yeah. It should have been enough on its own. So I was, like, sitting around 95%. But, like, I never felt super confident that, like, I knew enough, right? Mm-hmm. I've been listening to the podcast You're Wrong About. It's a great podcast. They've got like um, a series on Princess Diana. They've got like a bunch of interesting stuff. I'm sure some of you listen to it already. But they're yes. like in the middle of just like a huge series on the OJ trial. Ugh. And like the more you hear about it, the more you're like, there is literally <laughs> no way in the world <sighs> that this man did not commit these murders. And he's yeah. so stupid that the fact he wasn't convicted is insane. Like, I would confidently say I am 100% sure that he did it. <laughs> there was a trail of blood leading from the murder back to his house. His own blood was found at the crime scene. The fucking guy who's living in his guest house heard three fucking bangs on his guest house wall when OJ, like, banged into it on his way back from the murder. Like... There's so much. much. And like literally there was like police calls of her being like, he's going to kill me. Like not on that night, but on other nights. Like there's so much documented evidence of him being physically violent and her saying to people, he's going to kill me. And like 
as soon as they told her family, her sister's like, why would he do this? Like, it was definitely him. Like, everyone knew it was him. There was so much physical evidence and so much circumstantial evidence and timeline evidence. And, like, even his interviews, his police interviews, the police were so incompetent in this case. I think it's their fault, honestly. Like, the police were so incompetent. Um, ACAP, even those ones. I mean, especially those ones, because a huge part of the OJ trial was racism. True. Yeah. Uh, So especially ACAP for the OJ Simpson (laughs) LAPD. But they were so wildly incompetent that it's like, this should have been one of the easiest cases to win. Yeah. And that's why the prosecution was like, what the fuck? Because it was so, like, you have background evidence you have circumstantial evidence you have physical evidence and you have this fucking moron like running away in a fucking (laughs) truck like and the fact that he's just been walking around and when you think about how brutal these murders are like honestly you've already clicked on an episode about murder so i'm just gonna say it she was basically decapitated from how hard her throat was cut like it was so brutal their kids were sleeping upstairs he a thousand percent did it there's no way in hell he didn't and yet he got off yeah that's my wine that's what i've been thinking about this week well my wine of a similar intensity um (laughs) god yachts are so expensive so we've already had this fucking wine no i briefly mentioned it when we're on the phone no we've had this wine Oh, we have? I had a wine very early on about why boats are, boats are a bad investment, and that's sad. Oh, no, so for me, this is, it's it's a, you know, it's a different and we've version also, of that. And we've also gone into the actual costs of a yacht on this podcast. No, 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 so I'm, I'm not talking about owning a yacht. Right. I'm talking about chartering one, because right. I've been watching a lot of Below Deck, um, which I'm sure you've noticed, Maddie, by us sharing a Hey You account. <laughs> I oh, did like in the in the li- in the lead up to Christmas. It was just like us going back and forth. I think you're watching like The Only Way is Essex. And I watched I was, like, three scenes of The Only Way is Essex. Yeah, in like two days. Yeah, it was like this like really intense period. Whereas like the most recently watched show was either like Only Way is Essex or Below Deck because we we're both just like binging all of it. Yeah. Um, but Happy yeah, holidays, I'm- everybody. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Below Deck, um, and I just like. It's just so much fun because basically these guests get to go on and they're paying like they're paying so much fucking money. Like at the end, they tip and the tip is like 20,000. Well, yeah, because you're paying for the boat, but you're also paying for the the professional crew. Yeah. And for the stuff. And I'm like, it would just be so fun because they're always like they'll wake up and they're like, I want fireworks tonight. Or like, hey, can you like just prepare an entire white party? I know we're at sea, but like do it. Can we get like, like professional? I've actually heard that they make really good sushi at this one place in Marbella. Can you please acquire that? Yeah, me? it's like it's honestly at that level. They're like, oh, we want to go fishing off that beach, and they're like, actually, that's illegal here. And then the staff are like, nope, that doesn't matter. Like, no, it's not in our vocabulary. We are making this happen. And I'm like, it would just be so fun to have like a full and they have like a you know Michelin star chef on every yacht. Um, and it'd be like just so fun to like wake up every day and be like, hey. I want to do this. Can you make me this fancy breakfast? Like, oh, it's 2 a.m. and I want waffles. Hi, can you make me some waffles? Like, it'll just be so fun. Um, but spoiler, pretty spano. Um, yes, that's so, shocking. So, yeah, don't know when that's going to be a reality. <laughs> um, I also but, yeah. feel like there are much more cost-effective ways to have an incredibly similar experience. I agree. I actually know. I fully agree with that as well. I'm like, there's just so many other ways that you could do it. But just because I've been watching that a lot, I'm like, you know what? I want to I wanna wake up. 
and then jump on a jet ski and then have a chef make me breakfast. <laughs> that would just be great. Although fun fact, an extra win is that there are like boats on Facebook Marketplace. Like you could get one for like under 2000 Yeah, because as we've discussed, the upkeep of a boat is a large part of the cost. Yeah, like, yeah. that's As true. we've already discussed in our previous yacht wine <laughs> on this podcast for like 20 episodes in we're like we've already whined about yacht costs fiona please uh, but mine's mine's a different type that was like owning a yacht this is just like chartering one like a stupidly rich person it'd just be so fun to be stupidly rich and be able to give them like a massive tip and be like do these crazy things it's gonna be so much fun yeah anyway so the real I'm one just... is that you don't have like crazy amounts of money yet i think yes some could say that i'm just annoyed that i don't have millions and millions of dollars not billions because we're not unethical but i wouldn't say no to a few no, cheeky mills. if i had billions it would be gone i'd be like here climate emergency yeah put my mind but, at ease <laughs> but you know i wouldn't say no to a few cheeky mill you know it'd be a really great power to have what just give the billionaires anxiety just give them some fucking climate anxiety. Because then yeah. maybe they'll do something. Someone if I could give anyone on Earth a mental illness, I'd yeah. give Jeff Bezos climate-based anxiety. Crippling climate-based anxiety. And I think we'd be okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fair. So, when it's like, so if any of you are anyone, but If any of you attended Sky High and your talent <laughs> happens to be just bestowing mental illnesses upon people... A, come to my house and try and suck them out. B, <laughs> find some billionaires and give them climate anxiety. Yeah, that's our win and wine, folks. That is yeah. all we have for the win and wine segment. So I guess we should get into some some lighthearted murders. Yeah, the final great murder, times. The one that's going to really blow your minds on regards to who we think Jack the Ripper is mm -hmm. as a modern yeah. day celebrity. Well, into the episode. True. Let's dive in and then put a splash sound here. Let her rip. Welcome back to the Cabin Fever podcast and the thrilling conclusion of our Jack the Ripper special. Mm -hmm. When last we left off, there had not been a murder in a month, but there had been a lot of written communication. So we went through Saucy Jack, we went through From Hell, we went through the Openshaw letter, and yeah. now we finally reached the final murder. It's the final murder. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> and obviously that's a big event. But the biggest event of all and what you've all been waiting all week for is our reveal mm -hmm. of the true identity of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. But before we get there, we got to wrap up his work. Let's wrap up that rip. The day is November 9th, 1888. And Mary Kelly is dead. Age 25, she's the youngest victim by nearly two decades. Yep. Um, and was also the most well-off out of everyone that we researched. Although she also did seem to apparently like lie quite a bit. Yeah. Um, people think she was from Ireland. People don't really know. Um, she was working as a sex worker at a fancy brothel in the West End and spent her money on expensive earrings or clothes. She was in a relationship but not married and lived in a normal place with a landlord. So she had her own room that yeah. she'd like pretty much permanently stayed in yeah um which is interesting because again like this is where the situation is different than the other ones and the victim is different than the other yeah. ones so some people think that like maybe he knew this one personally yeah like whatever however as you'll come to see like it, it probably like is the ripper yeah so she did drink and was loud when she drank but she wasn't known for having any problems with alcohol and she basically seemed to just be vibing 
with her living situation as opposed to the others who had found themselves there as like the result of tragedy. Yeah. So the timeline of her evening is I think the most complicated out of everyone we've had. Okay. So she was seen around 11.45 p.m. the previous night, so, so technically the 8th, Yep. by a fellow resident of her building called Marianne Cox. Uh, she was returning home, quote, drunk and in the company of a stout ginger-haired man. This man was wearing a black felt bowler hat, had a thick mustache, blotches on his face, and was carrying a can of beer. That's what I'm saying. There's another man wearing a bowler hat. Yeah, it's always a, a mustache. Hat, a mustache. Like, that's why I think it could be... They could have not been seeing the rip every time. I just think it was the fashion. I think it's how they went. Well, there are multiple men in this story. Okay, anyway, so, yeah. continue. Um, however, there's something about carrying the can of beer and the blotchy face that just makes this too real for me. And I'm like, ugh. Fair. So anyway, the victim, Kelly... And the witness, Cox, wished each other good night, with Kelly adding, I am going to have a song. She then entered her room with the man, who closed the door. Kelly was then heard singing the song, A Violet I Plucked From Mother's Grave When a Boy. Okay. We all know that classic banger. It's yeah. like, every time we touch, party in the USA, A Violet I Plucked From My Mother's Grave When a Boy. Like, yeah. We, we've all been there. It's a classic book. Um, she was still singing. When Cox left her lodgings at midnight, and when she returned approximately one hour later at 1 a.m. So I don't know if she's singing the same song. She's the song good of her generation know, as you are ours. But am I even singing that much? Like, if you knew the song, maybe you would. That's true. I do know the song is my favorite. <laughs> uh, but by 1.30 a.m., the singing had stopped. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the singing has stopped? But no, because after that, a man named George, who knew her personally, mm-hmm. claims to have spoken to her out in the street around 2 a.m. And says he then saw her go off with a man. Now, he claims that he was suspicious of the man because, although the victim seemed to know him, this individual's opulent appearance made him a suspicious character to be in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. The man had also made an obvious effort to disguise his features from Hutchinson by, quote, hiding down his head with his hat over his eyes as the two <laughs> passed him. Bit shifty. Yeah. Um, then he, he claims that he heard Kelly state, All right, my dear, come along. You will be comfortable. And then they both went back into her building. Yeah. So there's a witness saying that. And like he knew her personally, so he's like, definitely this was her. And they were talking. So. Yeah. Um, back to the original witness, Cox. She's just in and out of this place. They're all in and out of this place. She returns to her I feel like everyone home. in London in the 1880s were just real night owls. Yeah. Which is like, I was like, wow, weren't they scared to be out at night? And I'm like, the literal Jack the, Jack the Ripper was killing women at night. Like, they probably were a bit worried to be out at yeah. night. Yeah. Um, I was like, wow, well, much safer back then, hey? Think of that. In the middle of the Jack the Ripper episode. You, you will be thinking of that when I get to my evidence later. Wonderful, wonderful. Just so you guys know, we are in a dark room with like one tiny lamp and I feel great. Uh, so the original witness then came home again at 3 a.m. and reported hearing no sound and seeing no light from Kelly's room. Although she thought she heard someone leaving at about quarter to six in the morning. Mm-hmm. So the last confirmed sighting we have of her is like probably a bit after two. Okay. Um, Elizabeth Prater, another witness who lived in the room directly above Kelly, um, she'd been awoken by her kitten walking over her neck. Um, and she reported... <laughs> do be like that, cat yeah. over things. She's the one who reported hearing a faint cry of murder between 3.30 and 4 a.m., but did not react because they reported that it was common to hear such cries in the East End. Yeah. Can confirm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, if I were being murdered, I probably wouldn't go, murder. I'd be like, help. 
Yeah. He's killing But you. maybe that was like the call then. Like when you, if you, you scream murder for murder, you know? Well, clearly you don't. Yeah. Because it's all you're hearing. It's like the East End howdy hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, we have no clue when this happened. Yeah. We know it probably happened sometime between like freaking 2 a.m. and 8 a.m. Yeah. That's it. So her body was found at 10.45 a.m., which is the largest gap we have in this case by a country yeah. mile in her private room at home by someone who was sent in to collect her rent, which was overdue. So naughty, naughty. Um, believed to be the last ripper victim and also by far the most brutally mutilated. Um, she was the only victim to be found inside. Yeah. And the fact that she was in like a private setting... Yeah. Clearly meant that it provided the Ripper with more time to do what he wanted to do. To get the Rippins done. So this was like him just getting it all out. I feel like he probably was like, this is the best shot I'm ever going to get. So let's go. Yeah. Um, she was mutilated so thoroughly that she was almost unrecognizable as human. Like you walk in, you're just like, that's a carcass of some sort. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a bit where like, if you don't want to hear like a little bit of description, like skip forward, skip forward a minute or something. Yeah. Okay. The thighs were stripped. The abdomen was removed. Abdominal cavity was empty. The breasts were cut off. Arms were mutilated. Facial features were removed. The neck was severed down to the spine. The uterus, kidneys, and one breast were placed under the head. The other breast was by the right foot. The liver was placed between the feet. Intestines lay by the right side of the body. Flesh removed from the abdomen and thighs were placed on the table. The heart was absent from the room. Bed clothing and the right side of the bed were saturated with blood. About two square feet of blood was below the bed. That's not even all of it. Yeah. Like, this, it, she fully was just, like... like She's it, out. It's just a... Inside out. Yeah. yeah. It does surprise me there's only two square feet of blood below the bed. I'm like, her body's yeah. open. We have a lot of blood. Maybe they just... They did it in a bowl fashion where it just kind of stayed in mostly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember the mattress was, like, gross. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically everything was done to everything and anything that could be taken out was. Yeah. As with the others, the cause of death was her throat being slit... And the mutilation was all done post-mortem. Yeah. So we've got just, like, absolutely consistent. Despite the fact this was, like, so far beyond anything else. The MO is still the same. It's just being given more time. Yeah. Um, And news of the discovery of another Ripper victim spread rapidly throughout the East End. And so there was a whole thing in Victorian times where crime scenes were just compromised because people, they didn't have TV. They would go to crime scenes and just walk through. Yeah. So thank God they didn't have DNA because there would have been no evidence. Yeah. But it was a huge pastime to like, if you hear about a murder, like, like you're Go there. see it. Yeah. This one, crowds estimated to number over a thousand gathered Jesus. at each end of the street. Wow. Like, and that's they- many people. That's and like that would have been whole, word of mouth. That's like all of London too at that time. That's word of mouth too. Yeah. Like that is a lot of people. That is many people. Yeah. And it's weird because like this one, there is the least to know about it. Yeah. Because they weren't outside. It wasn't found by someone outside and it wasn't found any time, any time like straight soon. after. It was yeah. found several hours later. And like, I don't know if you can tell how long a body has been dead when it's in that condition, but like there is not a lot to judge by. No. So that's the final victim. Yeah. And after that, it is thought that he just stopped. Yeah. Which is very abnormal. Um, sometimes serial killers do stop for a period of time. For instance, it's quite common, like, when they get into a new relationship, they'll stop for a while, and then when the relationship ends, back like, to murdering. Like, right, back to murder. Or, like, they'll die, they've been arrested, they've moved. Yeah. But very rarely do serial killers just stop. Yeah. However, like, and, and obviously there are people who think they're warm There were others after, yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, there's just such a clear progression of, like, 
step by step what he wants to achieve. And like, this is the final form. Yeah. I don't think he would want to go further than this. Yeah. So it's, it's not that weird to me. I think he just like perfected his art. He yeah. did that final Canva graphic. Yeah. He's done. He's like, I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. Um, who knows though? But that's the final victim. Yeah. So the aftermath of that, I mean, like, the, the aftermath is just the last freaking 130 years. Yeah. People have been like, who did this? Yeah. It's insane. Now we have this final one to, to rate. Right. Yeah. So the finesse here, weirdly, I think quite low because it yeah. was just, when you look at the photos and there are photos and the Boy. thing is there are photos and you'd think that would be like chilling, but it's just so unrecognizable that it's a human. Yeah. And the photos are so old that you're like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look, the other ones I was like, there's precision here and it's intentional. Here it just looks like he went fucking ape. Yeah. It looks like he did what he would have done normally and then just kept going and going and going. Like when people try and like cut themselves a fringe and then they just keep cutting and cutting and it gets worse and just worse. Just like that. And it didn't take that much skill because he he was by himself. Yeah. The most skill involved in this was like not making sound. Yeah. So like, honestly, like a five. I think, like, I think a six because like he did go into someone's house and yeah. he didn't get caught. Yeah, he managed to get in and out. At all. Like I feel like a five, you're almost, almost caught, True. I would we say. Can give, we can give him a six and especially because he did like move some of the organs and like put them places intentionally. Yeah. But I just think that like the ones where he was doing like out in, in the public. street with the yeah, little, yeah, for sure. So, so six. six. Um, gruesomeness has to be a ten. 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 Um, like so it's ten. it's so gruesome that it's turned the corner back to like being like desensitized. Yeah. Um, immediate impact. Ten. ten. Because thousands of people were there. Yeah. Location, location, location. I give this a low score for that. Yeah. It was a smart location, but it's boring as hell. Yeah. Like it's three. It's a cop out. Yeah. You went somewhere. Yeah. He killed someone in a house. Well done. Would he be proud of it? Yeah, absolutely. He stopped after this. Short or long term? Yeah, actually. Both. That's true. He did what he wanted to do. And I think he would view this as like the culmination of everything else. So he'd be like, I've yeah. done what I need to do. Yeah. I think it's a 10. Okay. I'll give him a 10 for that one. And was it for sure, Jack? I think so. I think that there, I can understand why people have a question because like the, the situation is so different and the victim is different, Yeah, but, and it could be like me, copycat at best, but like, yeah, the hallmark is like this, the throat slitting and then the specific disemboweling. Yeah. And this really is just like the expanded version of what he's, been yeah, doing. it looks like what he's been building up to. Yeah. So I'll say yes. So I reckon that all all five of these were committed yeah. by the same person. And so did most people, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> this is not unique. Yeah. So at the very end of this episode, after we've done our suspects, I'll add up these totals and, and tell you which one we think is the, the ultimate ripper attack. Yes. Um, however, before we get to that, we have the moment the world has been holding its breath for. Mm-hmm. Our suspects. You go first. Okay. Because I feel like you've really been working towards this as a reveal. So yeah. So I'm like, I feel like you can go, you can, you can go last. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. My suspect, or should I say the grand reveal of the identity of Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. is Robert Pattinson. <laughs> okay. Why? So we've decided we have to present a motive and how it makes sense. Yes. And I wrote this at 5 a.m., and created a full narrative. So here's what I've written down. Haven't read it through since. Can't wait. The whole reason that he was spurred to start this dark and twisted journey was that there was a part he was overlooked for. 
and he was unable to stop <laughs> fixating on it. And by the time he was overlooked for this part, he'd done so much prep that he was like in the mind of the character. Mm-hmm. He was so deep inside the mind of the character that he was like, I can't contemplate leaving. And I need to understand why it is that this thing that was so clearly meant for me yeah. has passed me by. So he became obsessed with the idea of capturing whatever essence had been missing to lose him the role. He leaves his comfortable home and consigns himself to the rough streets of Whitechapel, vowing never to leave until he has unlocked the part of himself responsible for this failure. Mm-hmm. It's like a red dragon situation. Yeah. He surrounds himself with the worst kind of people he can find, living and breathing their hatred and violence, trying to soak up as much of it as he can, believing this is the key to reaching his end goal. While he's soaking up the darkest parts of his surroundings, he's able to take on the demons of those around him, but lacks the community ties that keep them from acting on their most monstrous impulses. So it's like when in The Worst Witch, they give someone who isn't meant to have magic magic, they're like crazy powerful and can't control it. Yeah. He has all the evil, but he doesn't have any of the stuff that reels him in. Yeah. This is not his real world. He feels no responsibility here and no real sense of consequence or connection. So he's lost it and he just is living in this nightmare world, basically only coming out at night to meet the worst people. The only people he's allowed himself any contact with for months are vile. And he has come to believe that this is all that's left in the world because it's all he's experienced since he had his break. Yeah. He's moved so far from his version of normal, sunk so deeply into the darkness. What he sees around him bears no resemblance to his idea of humanity. So when a voice in Robert Pattinson's head suggests that the only way out is to take what he sees in his head and make it real, there are no alarm bells ringing to wake what's left of his conscience. It's a descent that begins with his research for the role, priming him to become receptive to darker ideas, all the while with a false sense of security because it's just a part, it isn't real, but he's living it. He hasn't realized how deep a shift he's undergone until the part he felt only he deserves is given to someone else, and this flips a switch that sets the wheels in motion for a steady journey down. So that's my motive. That's okay, how yep. we got to that point. It isn't about, like, he hates women. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like a... a a monstrous sickness yeah yeah so why does it make sense reasons i already stated in terms of being so wholly consumed by his craft that he loses himself in parts he strikes me as the kind of guy who's always one bad trip away from a full breakdown and who likes to play devil's advocate with his own mind see how far he can push himself just for the sake of it rob pattinson has a real fuck it kind of streak as evidenced by his pasta sandwich creation from the gq interview (laughs) and when combined with a full breakdown as discussed i could see that manifesting in murders absolutely along the lines of those committed by the ripper Mm -hmm. there was something very intentional about them almost as though they'd been played out in the mind of the killer countless times before becoming reality but there was also a clear element of passion and frenzy things being set in motion and from there ultimately out of his control The Ripper works very fast and then gets the hell out, which seems to me like someone killing as a means of achieving some other end rather than killing for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. The mutilation would suggest otherwise in some cases, but I'd say that would probably be a key part of what he thinks he needs to do. Yeah, it's part of the experience. Yeah, so he's not thinking, I'm going to enjoy killing someone. He's like, this is what I need to do. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, so that's why he's in and out so fast. So he would find a way to fit the mutilation elements in before dashing back to wherever he's hiding. Mm -hmm. But he's... Whoever this is, is not savoring it. Yeah. Which is what most murderers do. They're like, half of them will go back and visit the body afterwards. But this guy, in and out, which is really interesting. 
The double event shows he was getting more desperate. Would not have expected it to take more than one murder to understand his character. Yep. Like, he wouldn't have thought he'd have to get to murdering, but he'd be like, okay, I'll do one murder and then, then I'll, I'll understand. I'll get it. But no. So one murder not being enough, two murders not being enough, would have shaken him. So he started the third murder, but it was the wrong vibe. He's an artist and he's like, this is not the right vibe. <laughs> yeah. He's feeling very agitated now because he's completely lost and he's starting to realize what he's done. He's yeah. trying to block it out. Um, he leaves to find someone else. Maybe she'll be the one. Maybe mm-hmm. she's the key. The final victim, I think, was him fully losing it because his other killings weren't working. He hadn't unlocked anything and he still didn't see the light. So he went in as thoroughly as he could in a desperate final attempt to prove himself that this hadn't all been for nothing. Because he's an actor. He's mm-hmm. not a fucking murderer. He's given up his whole life. Yeah. Lived in the streets, turned into a, an unrecognizable monster, and the murders still aren't making him understand what it was that's missing. Mm-hmm. It's a fundamental search for what is missing. Yeah. Even if it's something horrible, he just needs to know. So the final murder was him trying desperately to just prove to himself that this hadn't been for nothing. This final act brought home the reality of what he had done. He was looking at the scene as the actor Robert Pattinson, not Saucy Jackie, and the frenzy was over. He would never rip again. This explains why the killing stopped when it is incredibly rare for serial killers to just fall silent. The reason is that it wasn't really him. It was Jack. And Jack no longer existed. He's carried this horrible burden with him ever since. And that's why Robert Pattinson is someone that he's unknowable. Yeah. You think you see glimpses, but ultimately, none of us really know what his deal is. Fair. I also absolutely could see him writing all three of the letters. Plus, <laughs> True. he would 100% go out of his way to fuck with the police and the media and the random local militia guy who set up an entire white knight committee to ruin his fun. Yeah. Like, that is so Robert Pattinson. He, he lies in interviews for fun. He just makes up random shit and then it's like, why did I say that? Yeah. 100% the kind of guy who'd write those letters to the police. He has a way of being incredibly charismatic when it suits him, but also completely blending into the scenery when he wants to. Like, he almost melts away and just lives normal life undetected. Like, yeah. translucent. Yeah. You could walk past Robert Pattinson sitting on a bench and you wouldn't fucking notice. It's not the same as a normal person living their life. It's like turning the brightness down on himself until he's practically invisible because that's what serves him in that moment. Who else was clearly charismatic and bold but capable of blending in and sneaking off undetected? Saucy Jack. Yeah. That's the thing. It was quick. Yeah. And he was gone. Yeah. Those are two things that I believe this scenario has nailed. Despite the gruesome nature of the killings, there's still an element of play to it all. And I believe that's part of what has kept us all hooked. Few individuals so perfectly embody the dichotomy of mysterious darkness and childlike mischief, quite like Robert Pattinson. So easy to imagine him in a cape. Also seems like a dude who'd succumb to paranoia and madness relatively quickly under the right pressure. Uh, And the descriptions of the men seen with the victims really all sound like what an actor would think this kind of guy looks like, rather than what an actual murderer would wear. Yep. Um, Robert Pattinson is vocally against method acting now, at least for himself. Um, He believes, quote, you never see someone being lovely to everyone while they're deep in character. So he's also dropping subtle clues. Uh, For instance, the cape that he wears in the new Batman movie Mm -hmm. is attached by a collar, which is a design choice that harkens back to a design for Batman in the Elseworld tale, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Now, what does that mean? Hmm, I'm not sure. Basically, they've used the same cape design as in a specific weird niche Batman thing 
where he goes back in time to track down Jack the Ripper. And they brought that design back for Robert Pattinson. Mm -hmm. I'm like, a little tiny hint. Um, On his performance in the movie The Lighthouse, quote, both performers, incidentally, talk in a kind of 19th century seafarer's vernacular that's like something from a children's cartoon. But as the urgency of this increasingly hectic tale builds, the artifice dissolves into what feels like an authentic, forgotten dialect. Sound familiar? Jack the Ripper can be rearranged to spell act hip or jerk, something I very easily can imagine Robert Pattinson shouting tearily at his own reflection. Okay. Finally. Oh my god. I leave you (laughs) with his own harrowing words. Mm Mm-hmm. I need to know when you're on stage and when you're off stage. I need to know that between action and cut, that's the thing. That's the safe space. I need to know it ends. I need to know there's a cut coming and then I'll feel safe. If it just feels like you can't get out, that's when you go crazy. That is pretty harrowing. Robert Pattinson, Jack the Ripper. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Maddie, for that. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. (gasps) Wait. What? I have a piece of evidence that I didn't show you. Okay. Um, my final piece of evidence, it comes with a visual aid. Jack the Ripper, people are like, his handwriting changes so much mm-hmm. between these letters. You know who else's handwriting notably changes every time you fucking see it? <sighs> the actor Robert Pattinson. I'm showing Fiona now a comparison of Ripper letters. Neat. Kind of neat. A mess. Yeah. Neat. Kind of neat. A mess. Fair. Ripper, Robert Pattinson, both very changeable based on like situation and emotion. I believe... Yes, this is good evidence. Additionally, and closing, how do you explain this? Well done, Maddie. She Thank did you. a photoshopped photo of Robert Pattinson. It's Robert Pattinson in the the, er, the very very early twentieth century. I found it on Google. <sighs> so that's my argument for Robert Pattinson as Jack the Ripper. I think it's pretty good. Thank you. Okay, the final. Wait. Okay. I don't know how to start this. You've hyped this up to the extent where I'm like, you literally must have like an actual video of him being Jack the Ripper. I essentially do. Okay. Okay. So my Jack the Ripper suspect, I suppose, Mm -hmm. is (laughs) Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I already buy it. (laughs) Yeah, you don't need to say anything else. I believe it. There's a few things like how you said, um, like Irish background, but living in London. That's Ed Sheeran, apparently. Is it? Yeah, he's he's raised in an Irish family. Like his family's Irish. Everyone's family's Irish. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying that also contributes to it. But my evidence is in his many confessions through his songs. Yeah. Allow me to read to you the lyrics from many songs, starting with "Rip You Apart, You Stupid Bitch," <laughs> the classic Ed Sheeran hit. Yes, starting with "18." White lips, pale face. That sounds like a dead person. Sure. Breathing in snowflakes, don't have much for that one. It's literally about someone who's on, like, heroin, though. No, yeah. Obviously, he's going to say, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm Jack the Ripper, guys. So. (laughs) Burnt lungs, sour taste. Referring to cannibalism. It is a sour taste to eat a person. Okay. Lights gone, day's end. Which references both death like, lights are gone, days are, like, you're done. Mm-hmm. And also, he always killed at night. And also, what's the next line there? I don't know. I only... Struggling to pay rent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I get yeah. to that. Struggling to pay rent, long nights, strange men. Yeah. 
literally speaks directly to sex workers struggling to pay rent, long nights, strange men. Yep. That is literally that. And then other parts of it seeming dead is like lately her face seems slowly sinking, wasting because mm-hmm. they're fucking dead, crumbling like pastries. References the pulling apart of a person. I would never describe when flesh is crumbling like pastries. I'm just saying he might. I feel like what you need to do is ref- you need to make sure you're not throwing in the silly ones because they're making the, the really valid ones seem less. Crumbling like pastries feels strong to me. Mm-hmm. And they scream, the worst things in life come free to her. I'm sure people said that at the time. Mm-hmm. They said, that's a bad thing having, and it happened to her for free. The worst things in life come free to her of yeah. any and all victims. For sure. There's also a, ni- a line that says, and she don't want to go outside tonight because mm-hmm. there are fucking killings going on. Yep. Weary eyes, dry throat. So the throat is always dry because it's bled out. Right. He slid the throat and it's bleeding out. And also... But it's not dry. It's very wet with blood. No, it's it's not got saliva in it anymore. You're dead. Okay. I think that is very strong. And weary eyes. He did gouge eyes out. He did. For two of them. Okay. Dos. And then... <laughs> ripped gloves, raincoat. Put the word ripped right in there. And speaks... To both the mutilation of wrists and hands on some of the victims, and also the lead investigator at the time said all five murders no doubt were committed by the same hand. So him saying ripped gloves, it's like gloves, ripper, ripped gloves. I think he's referencing that lead investigator. Cole girl, no phone. Are we doing every lyric to the song? Not all of them, but this is the strongest one, and then I have some lines from others. Because there's no phone, because it's the It's, 18, a, it's 18, the 1980s, 18, 80s, yeah. yeah. Not the 1980s. 1880s, yeah. and she's a call girl. And then, just, now an angel will die, closed eyes and hoping for a better life, the victim's final moments, haunting, chilling. All their eyes were open. Were they? Most of the ones I've read about, yeah. Okay, well. Can I just say? Yes. The first song that came to my mind, Shape My Heart by the Backstreet Boys. Let's just listen to the lyrics. Looking back on the things I've done. I yeah. was trying to be Okay, someone. can I just tell you, there are going to be more lyrics, and I also think this is pretty good. Um, and then straight down the line, just stay straight down the line, the many lines that he cut in their bodies. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, just angels to fly, angels to fly, angels to die. Uh-huh. That's the line. Yeah. So that is the first piece of strong evidence. That's his first big hit. Additional evidence. He has a song called Mary Jane. One of the victims is called Mary Jane. Mary Jane Kelly. Right. And I Yeah, drew... that's true. I've never heard the, the phrase Mary Jane used to refer to anything else. No, nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> I drill deep into your chest. That's where it feels best. You can remove all the scars, stop them from breaking my heart. Being on a hurting spree. Uh-huh. That one I buy, yeah. Could sure. be hunting spree. That brought out the worst in me. That's true. And yeah. then that song also references red lights, a.k.a. the prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a red light district. With the beat of my heart, you take me back to the start where everything began. Mary Jane was his final victim, so it's like him, it's like reminding him of how it all started. I'm buying that one, yeah, I'm buying that, yes. Um, Shape of You, just a subtle one. Last night you were in my room. I know they never went to his room, but he went to the final victim's room. Mm -hmm. And now my bed sheets smell like you. Every day discovering something brand new. These are all new experiences as he kills people. Give me love. Oh my god. Give a little time to me or burn this out. So he's like, give me the time 
or I will kill you. Right. We'll play hide and seek to turn this around. All I want is the taste that your lips allow. Does he mean a kiss or blood? And all the harm that I've ever done. He's just referencing his murders again. But since it falls onto my lot that I should rise and you should not. Yeah, because she's dead on the ground. Yes. I'll rise and I'll softly call good night and joy be with you all. Right. Joy be with you all sounds like a weird. What the fuck was that? Joy be with you all sounds like a weird eighteen eighty thing. Um, Tenerife C. Tenerife C. References a victim called. Uh, mentioned someone's called Beth, and there was a victim called Elizabeth. <laughs> um. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> loving can hurt. Loving can hurt sometimes. But it's the only thing that I know. I think here, loving is murder. Murder can hurt. Murder can hurt sometimes. But it's the only thing that I know. When it gets hard, you know it gets hard sometimes. It is the only thing that makes us feel alive. So he's only feeling alive from these murders. We keep this love in a photograph. This is important because photographs were not common back then. There's photos so, of all the fucking victims. Yeah, so if you wanted your love to be kept in a photograph... You'd have to kill him first. You'd have to kill him. Yeah. you have to make a fucking splash. Yeah. We keep these memories for ourselves where our eyes are never closing because they died with them open. So which one is it, Fiona? Look, both. And time's for a frozen still. That is my lyrical evidence. Can I just <laughs> say? Sheeran, I just want to read Jack the, the chorus River. of a uh, just very. He's obviously He's obviously going to make the chorus like. By the way, I'm Jack the Ripper. I know, but I'm just going to read you the chorus of a different song that also I think applies to. Yeah. Maybe perhaps the, the last killing. Yeah. I am close to the waterline. I thought <laughs> that I'd been over my head for the last time. I'm so close to the I... waterline, and the way I'm loving her now. I know this is bound to go down as the big one. Jedward Eurovision, they were Jack the Ripper. I want to say as well, the most popular Ed Sheeran impersonator is called Jack. <laughs> so just a fun little tie-in. I... Can I just ask you? Yes. You know how like a huge part of this was motive? Uh-huh. Do you have that for Ed Sheeran? Ed Sheeran is just a fucking weird shady dude. I don't think he needs one. I don't think he needs one. I could have said the same for Robert Pattinson. He's just a weird dude who does weird stuff. Okay, he hates women. There we go. I think Ed Sheeran <laughs> hates women. And that is why he's a Jack the Ripper. And he has given us hints in his music that it was him. And the first one was so obvious. And then he's like, shit, I've got to tone this back. And that's why we only get little hints of it in his other songs. And that is... <laughs> Yes, so why insurance Jack the Ripper? And I don't think it needs to be this obvious about it. Can I set a challenge for you, the listeners? Send us just the lyrics to any popular song <laughs> that you believe best applies to Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've thought of several just random songs, and most of them I've been able to find some sort of connection. Could you find an entire discography referring to Jack the Ripper? Yeah, I'm sure I could. Well, I did, and it was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Anyway, that's my evidence. <laughs> no. no. Written confessions. How much more firm evidence can you get than a written confession? 200 years after the murders happened. No, no, no. <laughs>
I think that I've really constructed the mind of a killer here. And I've just shown you the evidence that mine was the killer. The weirdest he part is the most convinced I was your entire pitch uh-huh. was when you just said the words Ed Sheeran. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then you read the whole fucking song A-Team. And I was like, this is all she's got. You hyped it up. You were like, that's all I need when I've got a written confession. I don't think you need more than a written confession. If Charles Manson was like, yeah, I did these murders. You'd be like, thank you for that written confession. I can take that to court. Yeah, I don't think that, I think that the A team has been, you know, out there for lawyers to read for a while. Yeah, but they didn't know what they're looking at until now. <laughs> they thought they're looking at a top pop hit and not the ramblings of a serial killer named Jack the Ripper. You know, there's a really haunting song by this um another oh Irish artist. I don't need you to mock me. Um and I think it's about like when you step outside and you just know it's the day that you're gonna slash someone's organs. Um it's called Heartbreak Weather. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, let's wrap this up because I'm really hungry. Yeah, so that's been our Jack the Rapper <laughs> special. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Natty. Rest in peace to all involved. Yes. Please do send us lyrics that you think are like <laughs> confessions of people being Jack the Ripper and we'll put together a compilation. Uh, and also we'll we'll give you some sort of some sort of way to indicate to us who you think the real culprit is. Yeah. So we hope you've enjoyed Oh my god, wait. What? I'll be back momentarily. We're really gonna eat burgers, but I will tell you who won our scoring system. Nice. I'll be right back. Hello, party people. I'm back with the results. If you hear a lot of crinkling and crunching in the background, it's because everybody is eating grilled here right now. But I'm here to talk to you and give you the final verdict. So, our rankings of Jack the Ripper's murders. In fifth place, as the lamest of the murders, Mm -hmm. we have Marianne Nichols, victim number one, with 28 points. However, given that it's the first one, a respectable start. Yeah. In fourth place, with 30 points, is victim one from the double event, Elizabeth Stride. And that, again, makes perfect sense. Because Mm -hmm. that was the least gory after that, and just doesn't have the zing that the others do. Mm -hmm. In third place, the middle child of the Ripper victims. With 37.5 points, we have victim number two, Annie Chapman. So yep. she had a she had her intestines on her shoulder. It was in quite a public yeah. place, but she's up against some pretty stiff competition. Yeah, we're down to the final two. Mm-hmm. There is a margin of nine points between these, so um, it's quite an interesting one. Fiona, from over there, what yes. do you think? Who do you think won? I think not the last kill. Okay. So the second one of the double event. That's what I would think too, and that is my favorite one, I think. Yeah. Maybe not my favorite. Well, yeah, it is. It's It's my favorite one. It's my personal favorite, Jack the Ripper Murder. And that is why, with 48 points, it is the number one. Catherine Eddowes is the ultimate Jack the Ripper Murder. Yes. Mary Kelly came in second with 39 points. Catherine Eddowes, 48 points. Absolutely. The only one where it, it, it scored a 10 ever except gruesomeness. And that's just because Mary Kelly didn't exist at the end of it. Yeah. And then location, 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 we missed one point because it wasn't on the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy with that. I'm very happy with that. That's a definitive ranking. We hope you've enjoyed the special. We hope you agree with our rankings. I don't see how you wouldn't. And I hope you agree that Ed Sheeran is indeed Jack the Ripper. Thank you for listening. That is all we have to say now. I will be ranking the letters of Jack the Ripper over on our Instagram at Hey Cabin Fever. Bye. Bye.